You have a lot to focus on every day. Let Virginia Premier focus on your health coverage. Our health plan is only focused on Virginia, so we can connect you with quality health care and local resources. Our added benefits give you more value on top of your medical and drug coverage from Virginia Medicaid. See our benefits at virginiapremier.com slash Medicaid and have your whole family with the same health plan. Virginia Premier, focused on Virginia, focused on you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to the 1085 Gridiron Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Jokey. It is episode number 56. Uh, today we have a fantastic guest, uh, Mark Schofield of Inside the Pylon. But before we get into that, I can't do this uh, without my co-host, Jack McCurry of the NorthCoastSports.com. How are you doing today, Jack? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, this is a uh, great guest. Mark was awesome with us for about 40 minutes, so... Uh, to break down the quarterback. So I'm looking forward for everyone to listen to this. Yeah, i tell you what, uh, this interview is absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, there's a, a ton of information uh, in this interview. Um, you know, obviously with the Browns picking number one overall, they're expected to take a quarterback. So we wanted to dedicate a full episode uh, to talking quarterbacks. And we were lucky enough to um, have Mark on with us. Uh, to discuss all these quarterbacks. So I also want to give a special shout-out to Jeff Lloyd, who helped set this up as well. Uh, He put me in touch with Mark, and, you know, he helped Mark come on the show. So I I really appreciate uh, Jeff uh, doing that for us. This is awesome. And, you know, I'll I'll let the cat out of the bag that we had to redo this intro because last time we did, I was so amped up uh, that it sounded terrible. So this is our second take of this – uh, intro. So, uh, without further ado, uh, here is Mark Schofield of Inside the Pylon. All right, it is our pleasure to be joined by the head writer over at Inside the Pylon, and he's is also the host of the Lockdown Patriots podcast, Mark Schofield. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well, gentlemen. How are we doing this fine afternoon? Uh, I'll tell you what. Um, you know when you get the open one of those presents before Christmas, um, you know, before Christmas Day. This is what today feels like for me because I'm super excited for his interview. Um, you know, you're our biggest guest that we've had on. So uh, the draft- I, 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 I saw that tweet earlier, and I got to say, man, you know, if I'm the biggest guest you guys have had on, man, you guys need better guests than me. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest here. And hopefully uh-huh. we'll get you guys some bigger guests now. I'll, I'll do what I can. Well, I, I look forward to that. I appreciate that. But, you know, the draft is Christmas uh, for us. Uh, you know, for us as Browns fans, you can say that the draft is kind of like a Super Bowl, which unfortunately that has been over the past oh, 19 years or so. So hopefully, um, and this is why we have you on, 
uh, we're here to talk quarterbacks uh, in this year's draft. And, you know, this quarterback class, you know, might be one of the best we've had in a while. And, you know, there's three, four guys uh, that could p- potentially go number one to the Browns. And, you know, would the when you look at all these guys, uh, you know, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, uh, Sam Donald, Baker Mayfield, um, to you, who's your quarterback number one and why? I mean, for me, you know, and like you said, this is a very intriguing draft class, and most quarterback classes are, and, you know, similar to last year, you know, you ask four, five, six different people to rank the top five and six guys, you'll get five, six different answers, sometimes even more than that, because it's a diverse skill set of players. They each have some flaws, whether it's on the field or off, but for me, and with the caveat that, look, all of the work that I do is based off of film, off of tape. I don't get a chance absent senior bowl type situations to really sit down with these guys. I'm not pouring through medical records or anything like that. But for me, it's Josh Rosen. And when I look at Josh Rosen, I see you know, the cleanest on-the-field prospect in this group. I see the most schematically diverse prospect in this group. I think he's plug-and-play in almost any offense. I don't think you have any sort of schematic limitations with him. I like his ability to process information. I like his ability to make decisions with the football. When I broke down the interceptions he threw this year, as I did for all of the sort of big five guys, I didn't see a lot of repeated mistakes. And I saw a number of instances, whether it's plays against Memphis, plays against other teams, where mistakes were made by guys that weren't him. You know, he was making the right read, the right throw, putting it in the right spot, and guys weren't running the right conversions for him. And so when I think you put the total package together, I think he's the cleanest on the field. Now, the thing with Rosen is the red flags, be those that they are, are more off the field. You know, there's the knock on him that he's maybe too smart, that he has interests away from the field. There's obviously an injury history, a concussion injury history with him as well. And in today's NFL, you have to be worried about that. But from all the information available to me, he's the top guy. That's not a knock on these other guys. Like, I look at, you know, the so-called top five or so, and I, I think I can see a clear path for four. Maybe even I can make a case for the fifth guy having good careers in the NFL. But for me, the guy I'm most comfortable with and confident in is Josh Rosen. And Mark, <clears throat> I, you know, looking at your draft guide, you have the the top, the big five quarterbacks. They're in your top 35 overall players. How does this quarterback class uh rank compared to previous quarterback classes that you've studied? I, I mean, it, it's interesting. I'd kind of put it on par with the group last year because you've got a lot of guys at the top that there's some serious interest in. I think it's probably a little bit better at the top um, than goes guys um, because we you know, we only saw three guys in the first round last year and Kaiser sort of spilled over to the, four, this is the second round. Uh, but I think we might see four, potentially five guys in, in the first round. And there's even a scenario where you can see six. You can see a Mason Rudolph come off the board late in the first. And so I think because of the number of teams that need quarterbacks, we're going to see more first-round picks. Um, I think this is a very talented group. I think as a whole, it's probably you know a, a notch above last year's. I think it's got some depth to it as well. There are some guys you know, saying that you know day two, day three range, that it wouldn't surprise me that they – you know, go on to have some success in the National Football League. So I think it's a very strong quarterback class. But again, I'm a quarterback guy. I'm, you know, quote unquote, paid to say stuff like this. I'm a member of the QB union. I can't really come on here, guys, and say, oh, these guys aren't good. Otherwise, I'm going to get some some dirty emails and looks when I head back to the quarterback union, you know, the, the secret chateau we have where we, 
you know, plan our domination of the world. But no, I mean, seriously, this is a good group, I think. Um, and if you're a team that needs a quarterback, like your Cleveland Browns, it's a good year to be at the top of the draft board. You know, when you look at uh, someone like Sam Darrell and, and all the rumors are that John Dorsey loves him and you know, the Browns are going to take him number one, what's um, – give, give us a lowdown on, on Darrell that what he could bring to the Browns. And it, is there really uh, – can you say it's accurate to say that he's the, the safest of all these quarterbacks? I don't know if I'd go as far as to say he's the safest of them. I think he's the nicest blend, I think, of floor and upside and ceiling. And and part of the reason for that is Darnold is, you know, when you look across these guys, Darnold's a relative newcomer to the position. I mean, he just started playing quarterback when he was a sophomore in high school. He was a linebacker before that. You know, and he's a relatively young kid. He's coming out, you know, pretty early. And so a lot of the flaws that myself and others have identified with him – you know, upper body and lower body mechanics, sometimes repeated mistakes, you know, looking at his interceptions, there are a lot of repeated mistakes on similar concepts, but that's not all sort of ingrained in him. That's not baked into the quarterback that he is right now. Given his relative inexperience at the position, there's room to grow and develop. And if you look at some of the clips we've seen of him working out with Jordan Palmer, you know, we see him throwing at his pro day, the release, which was quick to begin with, even though he has that loop to it, it still seems pretty quick. They're working on the lower body mechanics, which are an issue for me. And so I think he's a nice blend of, you know, he's good right now and there's a lot of room for him to develop. And when, you know, Cleveland sort of made the move to get Tyrod Taylor, I thought sort of, I thought that sort of was an indicator, you know, a tell, so to speak, of what their plans were with that pick and, you know, what they were going to do at the quarterback spot. And I thought it really pointed to Darnold and Allen. And because you look at what Tyrod Taylor is effective at doing, I think he's a better downfield passer than he gets credit for, and the numbers somewhat bear that out. You look at what Todd Haley has done over the years schematically. He likes the vertical passing game. Hugh Jackson has said that Todd's a believer in the vertical passing game. And although Haley has said that, look, I'm going to tailor our offense to the skill set of the players, including the quarterback, you know, I think if they – had their guy, they would want a guy that can be successful in the downfield passing game. And I think two of the best guys at that in this group, are, I think it fits Donald well, and I think it fits Allen well. And if you're asking me to pick between those guys, I think Donald's the guy to pick. And so you put all that together, I think Donald's a nice sort of mix of floor and ceiling. I think he's a good fit for what they want to do, where they want to be schematically. And I think given his relative newness to the position, I think it's a nice spot to get a quarterback to develop, knowing that he can grow into your guy for the next five, eight, ten years. <clears throat> is do you think uh, Darnold? You know, is he is he best suited to sit a whole to, to sit for the entire season, or do you think if Tyrod starts to struggle, um, Darnold could step in and play at some point during this twenty eighteen season? You know, I, I kind of look at where Darnold is, and I see a lot of similarities with where Mitchell Trubisky was last year and sort of how I view Trubisky as a quarterback as well because I had some of those same sort of accuracy slash mechanical concerns with him. I had some sort of mental processing concerns with him. And my thought with Trubisky last year was I hope that they do have a plan in place that if he plays, it's not right away, but I can see him sort of take it over sometime mid-season, you know, if they've got, you know, if they've got the belief that he's ready to do that. I have sort of a similar belief set w- with Donald and that, you know, I think he can play early. I'm not sure if I'd play him right away, 
But certainly if, you know, Tyrod Taylor struggles, if he gets hurt, if there's just a clamoring for change at the position, then I think he's somebody that can go in and play. And, you know, when you look at Darnold versus Allen, which the debate might come down to in Cleveland, I don't have the same level of confidence as I do, you know, you know, in Josh Allen as I do with Sam Darnold because I think Allen needs more from a developmental standpoint. And my fear with Allen is, you know, you're not going to reach his potential if he's forced into action too early because there's still so much that he really, really, really needs to develop as opposed to some of the other guys in this class. And so if the expectation in Cleveland is we're going to draft a guy, hopefully we can sit him and develop him, but we might have to play him early as a rookie. Then again, I would point to Darnold over Allen because I'm more confident in Darnold working through an adverse situation such as you know playing early, maybe when he's not quite as developed as he needs to be, as opposed to Josh Allen. You mentioned you saw some similarities between uh, Darnold and Trubisky. Do you see any uh, with the uh, similarities between Darnold and Jared Goff with that situation uh, that was happening in Los Angeles? where Goff came in uh, nine games into the season and played those last eight and then was able to take his game to the next level the following year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'd have to sort of wait and see how Darnold's career unfolds, but I, I certainly think that when you look at you know the growth of Jared Goff, the growth of Carson Wentz as well, from their rookie season to their sophomore season, it should give teams and fan bases that – you know, they do address the quarterback position, they do draft a quarterback early, like Cleveland, we all expect will, to have a little bit of patience with these guys because, and I've said this before on a number of shows, that you're, you're talking about somebody that, and Brandon, a rookie quarterback, that since their season ended, they've been doing one thing, and that's getting ready for the draft. And then they're going to come into an organization, say, in May, and then suddenly they're handed a new playbook, they're adjusting to life, you know, on their own in the big city or something where they're suddenly paying rent, paying mortgage, paying car insurance, being an adult and trying to, you know, hone their craft as a professional, which is why it's sometimes hard for rookies to sort of get on the same page with their offense, get on the same page with their offensive coordinators and have success early on. But then you see that growth from year one to year two, because now you've been in the system. You've been in the strength and conditioning program. You've got a year under your belt. You're not starting with the playbook in May. You've already got it in your hands once that season is over. And so there's a set of expectations that comes with making that sort of sophomore leap. And I think if Darnold is forced into action early, if any rookie quarterback is forced into action early in Cleveland, there might be some bumps, there might be some growing pains, but I would certainly expect there to be maybe not the same sort of development we saw with those two guys because recency bias might cloud our judgment there, but I would expect to see some serious growth from year one to year two. Yeah, Josh Allen is the other big name right now um, in the discussion for number one, along with Darnold. Uh, what do you think of Josh Allen and what do you think of the somewhat hype the media is uh, surrounding that prospect? Yeah, that that's sort of like the million dollar question with, with Josh Allen. And he's sort of become, I don't want to say a victim of the draft industrial process complex, but it has certainly sort of skewed, I think, the overall evaluation of him because, you know, it was January of 2017 when he was put into a mock draft of last year's draft in the top five to Chicago. And he had that set of expectations before he even announced he was going to come out. He had to go back to school with the expectations that he was going to be perhaps the top quarterback, perhaps a number one overall pick. And he hasn't, at least in my mind, lived up to that billet. And I think 
when I study him, there are some things that you can't deny about him as a quarterback. Obviously, he has great to elite arm talent. He has the ability to make throws that no other quarterback in this class would attempt and only a few could probably make. You know, I think Rose and Mayfield could make some of the throws that Allen makes, but not all of them. And he has some untapped athleticism, the ability to extend plays, the ability to do things outside of the pocket that not too many quarterbacks can do. But I've had some strange comps for Josh Allen. I started off last summer calling him Nuke Lelouch, basically saying, look, he's got the million-dollar arm, but it's all the other stuff that goes into playing the position that he needs to learn. And I've also sort of you know, comped him to those long drive contest guys that can drive a golf ball 450 yards down the middle, but you're not dropping them into the Masters and seeing them win because you use driver five, six times around. you got to do the other stuff. And that's kind of where I am with him. There's no doubt that he can make splash throws. There's no doubt that he can do some things throwing the football that few other guys can't. You look at his game against Hawaii. I broke down that entire game. If you want to see it, go to youtube.com backslash inside the pylon. You'll see I break down all of his throws. What does he do in overtime? Rolls to his right, makes a ridiculous crossbody, throwing a poser out to win it. But he's also missing easy checkdowns. He throws a near pick six ball when he stares down an out route that had the defender caught it. They don't get to overtime because Hawaii wins that game. That game's got something for everybody, whether you like Allen or you don't. And for me, I just end up coming down on the side that, you know, it's a will versus should debate. Will he go in the top five? Yeah. Should he? I don't think so because going that early brings different expectations. Among those being that you're going to play early. I think the ideal setting for Josh Allen is a team like, say, the Chargers, the Ravens, the Patriots, you know, that don't need a quarterback to start right away that have a little glide path for him so we can learn all the things like touch, time, and anticipation, all the things he needs to fix because he could be a good quarterback. I'm just afraid that if he's forced into action early, you might see a situation where it goes south on him fast. You know, the, the biggest thing with him has been the accuracy. Is that something that you think he can fix in the NFL or is it going to be what what he is now? I mean, it's a tough thing to truly answer because we've often seen inaccurate quarterbacks sort of come into the league and struggle to fix that. Now, the issue with Allen from sort of an accuracy standpoint is, you know, is there one thing you can truly point to and say, this is the reason he's inaccurate? And I think part of it is he's he's still learning to harness what he has attached to his right shoulder because everything happens at 100 miles an hour. You know, every, every everything to him is a fastball. You know, he needs to learn touch. He needs to learn rhythm. And that's going to take some time to develop. It was one of the things I was really hoping to see from him this year. It didn't quite happen. It was one of the things I hoped to see down in Mobile. And anytime he had to throw, say, a corner route over an underneath defender or anything with touch, it just wasn't quite there. And I think if he does learn to do that, learn to sort of handle the nuances of it and not approach everything like it needs to be a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, you'll see some growth there. And that's sort of what I'm hoping for. I don't think this is the finished product, but I think it's going to take the right sort of developmental setup, the right structure around him to unlock the quarterback inside. And I I look at him and I just think, look, if I'm drafting him, I want a plan in place to sort of set him up on that path to success. And I want to make sure we stick to it. I want it to be a situation like we probably saw last year with Patrick Mahomes where you know, we have to keep him off the field rather than, you know, force him onto the field. 
I want the organization to have to basically make the decision that, look, he's just proved to us at this point that we can't keep him off the field any longer. I don't want to rush him out there. Is it fair to make a comparison with Josh Allen to a guy like Deshaun Kaiser uh, when he came out of Notre Dame because they have the same kind of tools? You know, they're both big, got strong arms, both athletic, both had uh, accuracy issues, or is it wrong to make a comparison like that? You know, I think there are some ways in which that does fit. I do think there are some similarities, you know, between where Kaiser was coming out and where Josh Allen is right now. Obviously, there are some raw tools. Obviously, both players made some throws when they were in college that were wow-type throws. But there were some consistency issues that, you know, you saw in both guys. And so I think it's an apt comparison, you know. And and again, I, I think the, the biggest thing to remember with Allen is this. It's that, you know, scheme fit matters so much for players. And... You know, do I think Allen is worth the number one overall pick? I think in a vacuum, I don't. I do think the fit in Cleveland would work, you know, because of the downfield offense they're looking to run, I think, under Haley. Uh, but I do think that, you know, given what he needs to develop, juxtaposed with what, say, a, a Sam Darnold has to develop, it just makes more sense to me to go in the direction of Sam Darnold over Josh Allen. You know, I fully expect quarter, four quarterbacks to go in the top five and the fourth guy of uh, that is expected to go that high is Baker Mayfield. Where do you see Baker fitting into all of this? You know, you we've seen him being criticized from his height, the, the off-field stuff. Where do you see him fitting into this uh, top group? I mean, for me personally, he's my QB too. Um, you know, I've got a top five of Rosen, Baker, Darnold, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. And again, that's – you know, I like I've said, I'm I'm really confident in four of those five, and to a lesser extent in Allen out of that group. But I still think that there's a good quarterback side of him. For me, with Baker, you know, it's an issue of competitive toughness. And I literally just before we hopped on, uh, got done writing a piece for Inside the Pylon, where like I do every, I'm going to try to do every two years, I revisit my rankings from two years prior. So I'm revisiting the the Goff, the Wentz, that draft class, and. You know, in that group, Dak Prescott was my QB 17. I was just not a believer in Dak Prescott at all. So I'm taking a massive L on that rank. And then I revisited all my notes, all the pieces I wrote on him. And the thing I missed, even though I noted it, even though I had it all over my notes, was competitive toughness. You know, because I saw it in Dak Prescott, but I didn't give it enough weight because that's the thing that's going to determine whether a guy's good or a guy's great. That's the thing that as a quarterback, it's going to make sure that you, you know, hand in the pocket on third and seven when you've got a guy in your face to make a throw, that you might holocopter yourself to win a national championship game. And so in my process going forward, I started to give that more weight. It's why I was so high on Deshaun Watson. It's why high on Baker Mayfield because he will always have that chip on his shoulder. And if there's no reason for him to have one, he will make one. Orlando Brown said that about him with the combine. He will always be a double walk-on. He will always be a pretender in Lee Corso's eyes. He is keeping screenshots of articles that don't give him enough credit for motivation. The crazy ones, the great ones, they have that sort of insane streak to them. Look at Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech. Look at Tom Brady. Bump into Tom Brady in an elevator, five minutes, and he'll be telling you that he was picked 199 in the draft. That's how almost maniacal some of the great ones are. Not to say that Baker Mayfield is a Tom Brady or a Michael Jordan, but sometimes you need that, and I think Baker Mayfield has it, and I would not bet against the kid. Then when you com- combine that with extremely accurate passer, has the ability to create and extend outside of the pocket, 
I think he's a very quick processor. It's one of the areas where I don't think he gets enough credit. Yes, the offense gave him a lot of options to make quick reads and decisions on RPOs, but he's incredibly quick when he does that. I think you put that all together and you have one of the better quarterbacks in this class, the guy that I think in the right system could succeed and have a very good NFL career. You know, height has always been the issue when it comes to quarterbacks. If if Baker Mayfield was 6'2", 6'3", do you think he would be the number one QB prospect in this draft class? I think probably, yeah. And, you know, I I say this as a guy who is 5'10", on his best day, maybe 5'11", on his best day, playing the position through college, and I couldn't see over guys. You know, I struggle to, you know, create passing lanes. That's another area where Mayfield excels because you don't see a lot of batted down passes. He's able to, with his eyes, with his feet, to move, to slide, to create throwing windows and then deliver. And so, yeah, I think to that point, if Mayfield's, you know, 6'2", 6'3", it's probably clear that he's the QB1. But since he's not, and there's that sort of hesitation because, you know, there aren't a lot of success stories worth you know, undersized, smaller quarterbacks. But there are some in the league right now that you can point to, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees. And I think if you look at Mayfield and his ability to handle pockets, you can be sort of, I wouldn't i wouldn't say convinced, but you could have a strong belief that he's going to go on to have, you know, a level of success in the National Football League because of his ability, because of his competitive toughness, because of how he handles pockets and how he's done it over the years. No, I, I remember watching something on ESPN. I want to say about, it was about a month ago. Um, they really uh, broke down his throwing motion, and you know it, it's very comparable to what Drew Brees does. Uh, what Drew Brees does when he comes over the top, and that arm is almost straight up in the air uh, as he's throwing. Is that something that can last, you know, ten years, or is that going to wear him down uh, as it goes on? You know, I think it is something that's going to last. And one of the great things about Mayfield, and I, I wrote this recently in a piece over at Pro Football Weekly, is his ability to generate torque. Because he has that sort of over-the-top throw in motion. But he's so adept at using his le- his left shoulder, his chest, to generate that twist and torquish motion in his, in his throw and delivery. And it takes strain and pressure off the arm itself. He's a He's a whole body thrower, basically. But that's good. You know, I look at a guy like Cam Newton who can generate incredible velocity and it's something similar where you generate torque in that upper body and it takes pressure off the arm. You're not an arm thrower, but you generate incredible velocity and that's something that Mayfield does as well and he doesn't get enough credit for. If you watched him on tape, you saw impressive velocity. People question it and they see the number at the combine and they start to wonder, oh, what did we miss? Well, it was right there staring you in the face. His ability to generate torque, it's something he doesn't get enough credit for. I love it in him, and I think it's going to set him up well because, again, it takes that pressure off the arm, off the shoulder. You're a whole body thrower. It allows you to dial up the velocity while not over-impacting and over in the arm. And so I, I think that's a good thing for Mayfield going forward. Uh, uh, inside the pylon has Lamar Jackson rated pretty high, and it seems like the media is not getting him, giving him enough credit as a potential NFL quarterback. Uh, what did you guys like in him watching the tape on him? Well, for me, what I liked are a number of things. I liked his dev- leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning. 
Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Development over the past year. You know, you could point to the year he won the Heisman. You could certainly point to plays where, oh, he bailed from the pocket early here. Oh, he vacated, you know, the pocket early here. You know, there were times when he relied too much on his legs. But the strides he took over the past season, I think, you know, deserve a lot of credit and really speak to his ability to develop as a quarterback. You know, Coach Petrino put a lot more on his plate, you know, from an offensive standpoint. They gave him more autonomy to make checks at the line of scrimmage, make protection calls at the line of scrimmage. You know, and he's running an Ernst Perkins system. And it's, you know, it's not the full, you know, Ernst Perkins system that we're seeing in New England right now, but it's, you know, an Art Perkins system that's an NFL offense that the Patriots are running just, you know, on a more collegiate level. So it's not as complex, but it's still a pro style offense where you read that playbook. And, you know, when I broke down his regular season interceptions, I found each play he was running in Louisville's playbook. And he's got options and progression reads and conversions. And so he's asked to make full field progression reads like some pro quarterbacks are asked. And so I think from he doesn't get enough credit from a mental standpoint of playing the position. You know, he has the narrow throwing base, which he does need to fix, but he's pretty good at quickly resetting in the pocket. The ball comes out of his wrist and in his hands incredibly quickly as a lightning quick release. And when you add to the fact that he's the ultimate X factor in terms of his athletic ability, you can get unblocked, you know, two, three unblocked blitzers on him, and he's going to beat them to the edge. You know, that can mask a lot of deficiencies up front in an offense. If there are protection calls that are missed, if there are protection breakdowns, he can eliminate them in a, in the blink of an eye. You know, it's sort of the ultimate sort of weapon against a defense. He's incredibly hard to game plan against, and he has elite game-changing ability in the open field. Putting that together, I see the ultimate weapon for today's modern NFL. I think you drop it into a West Coast air raid type offense where he's allowed to make quick decisions, which he does do which he can do you know, based on some plays and some designs where he wins pre-snap, I think the sky could be the limit. The problem is, does the NFL share that view? I think ultimately they do. I think that you know, we're hearing you know, reports now that you know, he's not going to get out of the first round, that some teams are high on him as a quarterback. All it takes is one team to find him, but in the right fit, like a team like you, know, you look at what the Jets ran last year, I think a team like New Orleans would be great for him. I think it could really pan out and perhaps be the sleeper of this class. Um, do you think Mason Rudolph uh, can go in the first round? And, and if he does, how can he sep- How does he separate himself from the other potential day two quarterbacks like um, uh, Mike White, Kyle Aletta, and Luke Falk? Yeah, I, I think he could sneak into the first round. I think one of the things that Mason Rudolph really has going for him is his floor as a quarterback. Um, I was on a podcast recently with Chris DiPrasso over at CBS, and he Chris has, you know, Mason Rudolph as his top guy in the class, and part of his argument was, you know, he's got a very stable floor to him. Now, I think that kind of works in two ways. I think you look at Mason Rudolph, and he might be closer to a finished product than some of the other guys in this class, obviously a very experienced passer. So there might be some questions about his ultimate growth development in ceiling. But I think what sets Mason Rudolph apart from some of the other guys are a couple of things. He has ability to throw downfield with touch um, that really stands out. You know, so if you're a vertical-based passing offense, he's a perfect fit for you. He's got the ability to make timing and anticipation throws. One of the things I really liked about him was 
when he saw sort of off coverage on the boundaries, he'd have the ability to sort of make anticipation throws, get the ball out before the break, take advantage of what the defense was showing him, what the defense was giving him. You know, and there aren't that many passers in the college game right now that can make those types of anticipation throws. There are a couple in this class that can do it as well, but Mason Rudolph really stood out in that area. I did have some questions on him sort of challenging the intermediate areas of the field between the hash marks. I feel like he's a little bit better outside the numbers than between them. You know, so But that gets to sort of scheme and usage and how his NFL coaches will be using him. But I think if you're a downfield passing game, if you want somebody that can make sort of those timing and rhythm throws, he'd be a perfect fit for you. And, you know, if – you know, you're looking at him as potentially your quarterback of the future and you want to get that extra year, that fifth year option on him, then yeah, take him at the end of the first round. It might be worth it in the long run. Uh, Kyle Laletta, you know, coming out of a small school in Richmond, you know, early on, like in January, there were comparisons to a Jimmy Garoppolo who obviously is taking the NFL by storm with his success in San Francisco. Uh, is Laletta a fair comparison to a Garoppolo and what he could be a couple years from now? I mean, I think there are some sort of similarities and it's sort of the, it's set up as the easy comparison because, you know, relatively unknown guy from a smaller FCS school who's linked to the New England Patriots throughout the draft process and sort of set everybody up for the Lawletta compare for the Garoppolo and Lawletta comparisons. And, you know, when I look at Lawletta and I did get a chance to you know, see him down in Mobile. Benjamin Solak from NTT Scout and talked to him a lot down in Mobile. You know, and he told me that, look, this is a really smart kid. Four different offensive coordinators while in Richmond knew those offenses inside and out, and that translates over to the film as well. Really involved in that pre-snap phase with adjusting guys in the line of scrimmage, moving players around, making some protection calls. I love his ability to sort of learn on the fly. You could see that on his tape as well. He would make a mistake. He wouldn't repeat it even if he saw the same exact scenario. And so ultimately, I think that he's a guy that in the right offensive system, you know, can develop into a mid to upper tier starter. Obviously, there are some schematic limitations, I think, with him. Um, He lacks sort of the high end velocity, so he's probably not the best fit for a vertical offense. But given that most NFL offenses operate, you know, 85 or so percent of their plays under 20 yards, you know, I think he's a fit for what most NFL teams are doing. And so, you know, I think the fit with New England makes some sense. You know, the Garoppolo comparison is an interesting one because in thinking about, you know, scheme fits for a Laletta, I think he would be a good fit in a Kyle Shanahan offense. But I do think that, you know, San Francisco is probably set. They're not going to look at a quarterback. But, you know, maybe a team like Atlanta that's done some similar stuff might be looking for their guy after Matt Ryan. Um, so there are some good fits for him in the NFL, I think, as well. But, you know, he's probably the – a guy, the guy that could, you know, hear his name called early on day two, probably at some point in the second round. Maybe he slips into the third, but I think if we, if, especially if we see six guys in the first, well, let us not last in too long in the second. Uh, looking at some of the, uh, looking quickly at some of the other potential day two guys and Mike White and Luke Falk, what, what's one thing that sticks out to you about both of those quarterbacks? When you look at Mike White, what really stood out to me was a knock that I had on him when I watched him this past summer was, you know, process and speed and how he would sort of, you know, handle protection calls. There were times when I felt like, you know, he he was unclear where his blockers were supposed to be. He was missing easy blitzes and things like that. And then when I got done studying him, you know, over the fall and the winter, I watched his final game, which was against Middle Tennessee State, and they were running a pretty, you know, exotic 3-3-5 scheme. They were showing a lot of different looks up front. 
a lot of stunts, twists, blitzes where you weren't sure where guys were coming from. And he handled that game extremely well. It was one of the better games he had on tape. And I came away with that thinking, okay, so I knew he had some work to do in this area, but he's clearly done the work. And so that really stood out to me. I think if he, you know, fixes some of his, you know, lower body consistency on deeper throws, he could be a fairly scheme diverse quarterback. I think he could fit almost any offensive system if he does that. Ideally, I think he's more in sort of your, you know, West Coast type offense where he can make some quick decisions and, you know, rule some stuff in and out pre-snap. But that's why I am on Mike White. And I'd have some similar thoughts, I think, on Luke Falk. And Falk is somebody that's going to get tagged with that all air raid, Mike Leach, um, not really a smart guy, simple offense, but he was basically given freedom to call whatever he wanted at the line of scrimmage. You know, Leach would just basically say, look, we're going to run the ball. You call the play at the line. And so that shows, again, a depth of knowledge of the game, of schematics that I think will serve him well. I loved his process and speed on plays where, you know, he was able to confirm post-snap right away with, he expected to see pre-snap. There were times when he did freeze a little bit when he saw, you know, a different look post-snap. He wasn't quick enough in those situations, which you'll have to get better at. But again, I think on, on offense with him, you know, sort of your air raid West Coast hybrid would give him some schematic familiarity and he'd be able to run that pretty well. You know, Mark, we're in Buckeye country out here. So I have to ask about JT Barry. I know he's not a quarterback that a lot of people have their eyes on, but Based on what you have watched and studied on him, what do you think his uh, pro um, expectations are? Well, he's somebody that I think did help himself down at the Shrine game. He had a very good week of practice down there. He impressed a lot of people that, you know, weren't really high on him coming into the week. There are some areas where, you know, I, I still find lacking from him as as far as projecting his transition to the pro game. You know, playing process and speed is a big one. There were times when he was at Ohio State when he had open routes and for whatever reason didn't pull the trigger, wasn't doing it fast enough. By the time he finally decided to make that throw, it was too late. The window had closed. And so that's an area he will need to, to clean up and improve upon. But I think it's a nice fit for sort of a spread-based offense that relies on the vertical passing game a lot. You know, when I look at Carolina – and I think that a fit there might be a good fit for him. You know, learning a little bit by Cam Nuda. I think under North Turner, they're going to have some downfield passing concepts, which I think is a good fit for him from a schematic standpoint. And obviously the spread-based offense will allow him to use his functional athleticism. He's not the world's greatest athlete, but certainly good enough where he could, you know, run some of those components as well. And so I, I think, you know, a later day three, type pick for JT Barrett to Carolina would make a ton of sense to me. That's a that's a fit that I think would, you know, I'd be happy to see happen because it would be, I think, the perfect environment for JT to sort of, you know, learn the NFL game and perhaps develop and, you know, maybe he can grow into something beyond what we see from him right now. All right, Mark, I apologize for going so long, but I have one more that's question. Uh, after discussion or uh, after discussing all these quarterbacks, if you were to build the perfect quarterback prospect out of all these guys which attribute would you take from which quarterback well i mean it's funny you mentioned that i actually did this piece over at pro football weekly a couple of days ago um the people could check out profootballweekly.com and you know when i went through these guys i took josh rosen's mind because i like the way he processes things i took baker mayfield's eyes um because he's got a it's and part of it is schematic but he's got that ability to look off, to manipulate defenders, to move defenders with his eyes. And it's something, guys, that he was doing down in Mobile in one-on-one drills. Like he, Even when you didn't have a safety to look off and you're just throwing against air, he's still looking him off. So I like that from him. I like Mayfield, Mayfield's shoulders 
as I mentioned, the torque from him, his ability to generate velocity while lessening the strain on the arm. Obviously, when it comes to arm, you got to go with Josh Allen. That's you know the standout of this class. But I incorporated Lamar Jackson's wrist because he's got that quick release. Um, you know, for legs, Lamar Jackson, it's tough to beat that. He's so athletic and gives you just that extra offensive element that a lot of teams, a lot of quarterbacks don't have. Footwork, I come back to Josh Rosen. You know, Rosen gets knocked for, you know, perhaps an inability to create outside of the pocket. But I think when you look at some great quarterbacks right now, like Tom Brady, you know, the main reason Brady's been able to play so long and at such a high level isn't because of avocado ice cream or pliability or whatever he's doing. It's because of his feet and how he can slide and move and click and climb in the pocket. And I see that in Rosen. And so, yeah, he's not going to be able to, you know, create outside the pocket like a Lamar or like a Josh Allen. But if he can, you know, harness that inner tennis player that he was, he was an elite tennis player in high school, you know, he'll have the footwork to move around. And then I have Baker Mayfield's heart because, again, he'll cut your throat out if he thinks it's going to help him win. And then when I add some sort of the, the intangibles like, you know, anticipation, you know, I've got, Sam Darnold there because he's made some anticipation throws which really stand out. You know, mechanics, I think Josh Rosen stands out there. You know, playmaking ability, I look at Lamar Jackson. And finally, downfield touch, Mason Rudolph. And that's, you know, if you were asking me to, like, go into a lab and create the perfect quarterback out of these guys, that's what I'd come up with. Uh, Mark, I have one final question. If, say, it, it goes quarterback, 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 with the first three picks at pick number four, what do you do if you're the Cleveland Browns? You're going to have probably six, seven teams dialing you up, basically doing everything they can to get to you know that four spot. You're going to have a number of offers to, to choose from. And now the, the question becomes, do you sit there and take a Saquon Barkley? Do you take a Chubb you know, and handle you know, and just get another top five player? Or do you stockpile? And you know, for me, I think this is the draft where – you know, obviously I've got a Patriots sort of lens on things. You know, the Patriots also have two first-round picks at 23 and 31. I think this is sort of a draft where you stay in if things fall your way and you take guys. And so I look at the idea of getting your quarterback at one and then staying at four and, and pairing, you know, a chub with Miles Garrett. You know, and the part of the reason I think that way is I think back to the 2015-2014 draft, whichever draft it was where the Dolphins took Deion Jordan. And I'm watching on NFL Network and Mike Mayock, who's doing great coverage, he basically, you know, when that pick is made, he said, this confirms it to me. The most important place on a football field is the pocket. You need guys that can throw from there, guys that can protect that spot, and guys that can attack it. And if you've got Chubb and Garrett, you've got two guys that can attack that spot. You need pass rushers in this league. Get yourself another one. You can never have, you, you can't have too many pass rushers. Look at how Super Bowl 52 ended. You got Brandon Graham, an edge defender, kicked inside on a guard, stripping Tom Brady to force a turnover. You can do stuff like that where you have more pass rushers and go get another one. Well, Mark, we absolutely appreciate you coming on. Um, this was absolutely thrilling for me, and I, I really appreciate it. You want to plug everything you're doing over at Inside the Pylon? I can only imagine that this time of year is absolutely crazy for you. Well, well, again, thanks so much for having me on, guys, and hopefully that by the time you record your next episode, I'm no longer the best guest you've ever had. Let's let's try to make that happen, shall we? Um, let me plug some stuff inside the pylon. We've got our draft guide, and we've got a special promo for listeners to the pod. Use promo code 10 85 and then the word five so that's one zero eight five five spelled out that would get you five dollars off the itp draft guide if you liked what i've been talking about if you've liked our work 
is a chance to save yourself some bucks on it. Also, I've been doing some stuff over at Pro Football Weekly. Like I mentioned, I did the the QB, you know, create a QB piece. I did scheme fits for the top five guys. I'm going to be doing a piece later this week on scheme fits for some of the other guys in this class. So, and yeah, if you want, you can listen to Locked On Patriots. That comes out four or five days a week. It's pretty much Locked On Patriots slash Locked On Quarterbacks because since quarterbacks are my love and what I played myself, I spend a lot of time talking about QBs. So there's been a lot of 2018 QB draft discussion over there as well. But guys, again, thanks so much for having me on. It's been a blast, and you know I, I can't thank you guys enough. I, I like I said, I really appreciate you coming on with us, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right, guys. Thanks, guys. Well, I'll tell you what, Jack, that was a absolutely fantastic interview uh, we had with Mark there. Uh, what was your, your biggest takeaway from uh, the interview with Mark? Uh, just, I mean, how close or how good this quarterback class has the potential to be from, you know, Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold all the way down to Kyle Laletta, Mike White, and Luke Falk. I mean, if, you know, the teams that need quarterbacks this year – if they can get one in the first two rounds, I think their chances of turning their franchise around, like hopefully the Browns will do here in a couple of weeks, is going to be very good. I think uh, this could be one of the best quarterback classes of all time if it pans out this way based on what the guys over inside the pylon um, have studied. And I'm looking forward to see these guys get into the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was very excited for an interview and, uh, as Mark mentioned, uh, you can go to InsideThePylon.com, uh, get a $5 discount on his draft guide uh, by using the promo code 1085 and then spelling out the word 5. Uh, you know, that draft guide is absolutely wonderful. Uh, I highly recommend it if you're really into the NFL draft. Uh, the thing is has so much detail uh, inside of it. You, you know, you'll, you'll absolutely love that. Um you know, I was just thinking as we were sitting here, I saw that you released uh, your newest uh, mock draft. Is that something that you want to go over really quickly? Well, since you brought it up, we might as well talk about yeah, it real quick. Absolutely. <laughs> if you want to go ahead and load that up, and I'll, I'll talk while you're loading that up. Um, you know, obviously we're getting very close to the draft. I would assume you probably have two, three more mock drafts uh, coming before uh, the draft starts. So, you know, let's uh, – Let's see what you got this time. I haven't read this, so I'm excited to see what you have uh, planned in this mock draft. Uh, yeah, the plan is I think I'm, this is mock draft 6.0. I think I might only do one more, and as tradition, um, as I've done, whether it was posting ones on Facebook or since I've started the writing a couple years back, I will post one on draft day. Um but I think the plan is this year I will do, of course, my first round mock, and then I will also do a seven round Brown, Browns mock and go through and uh, with each draft pick that the Browns have and uh, break down who I think they should take with those picks. But 6.0 is released. Like he said, you can check that out on thenorthcoastsports.com. Uh, it was posted Monday morning, April 9th. So uh, with the first pick, I have the Browns taking Sam Darnold. And I think that's the consensus around the league. And I think in 17 days, that's going to be the outcome. Uh, good Lord willing that Dorsey doesn't screw this up. Uh, second overall pick, I had the Giants taking Ro Josh Rosen. Uh, you know, the Giants can go in a number of directions here. They can go Chubb. They can go Barkley. They can move down and get one of those guys. 
I think they need to get a new quarterback because Eli Manning's starting to hit the downside of his career and Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer need to focus on the future of this organization. And regardless of what Eli Manning has done for that, that franchise, it's, they need to focus on making sure that these guys, they can keep their jobs in the next couple of years and finding that next franchise guy is the answer. And I think Rosen, much like Mark said, he, definitely got the talent to be the best quarterback in this draft so if they can't get Darnold Rosen is a great consolation prize uh third overall pick I had the Jets taking Josh Allen if you know they signed Bridgewater and McCown if they can get Allen and he he can groom behind them Allen might turn into something in a couple years I think if he goes anywhere else it could be a disastrous for his career um with the fourth pick of the Browns taking Bradley Chubb and I'm pretty much settled in to wanting Darnold and Chubb with those two picks. I hope the Browns don't move down, but I'm sure if like Mark said, um, cause he also said taking a guy like Chubb or Barkley, the Browns are going to get a number of phone calls. If it goes quarterback, quarterback, quarterback with the top three picks. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Fifth pick I have the Broncos taking Baker Mayfield. Uh, the Colts with the sixth pick, I'm taking Quentin Nelson, who arguably is the best player in the whole draft. Uh, seventh pick, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Saquon Barkley, which I think Tampa would love if he fell to them at that point. Eighth overall pick, I have the Bears taking Denzel Ward, corner out of Ohio State. Uh, ninth pick, I have the 49ers taking Harold Landry, defensive end, Boston College. Tenth pick, I have Oakland taking Roquan Smith, linebacker, Georgia. And then... In the second round with the Browns at 33, I'm taking Maurice Hurst, the defensive tackle out of Michigan, who if he fell that far, which he's starting to – he is slid a bit because of the heart condition, but he's been medically cleared by doctors. Um, If he was there, what a steal that would be. Hurst is one of those uh, defensive tackles that can penetrate pressure big time and get back there and get after the quarterback, which, you know, we could absolutely – uh, have can't have enough of those guys with Ogan Joby and Caleb Brantley and Hurst would be great alongside those guys on the defensive front along with Miles Garrett and projectedly Bradley Chubb uh, and with the 35th pick I had the Browns taking Ronald Jones now I had Sony Michelle go into the Browns for a long time and I would still love that and the running back class is so deep that I don't think you can go wrong with any of the guys in the second round but just how the board fell uh, for me Personally, if Ronald Jones fell to 35, I think it would be a great get. And to have him, Duke Johnson, and Carlos Hyde in the backfield uh, at running back would be a dream for uh, Todd Haley, who loves to use a lot of running backs. You know, I I can't go wrong, or you can't go wrong with, you know, Darnold at one and Chubb at four. Uh, I think I've said many times that there's four or five guys uh, at number four uh, that I would absolutely love to have. So, you know. I personally think they're going to trade that pick. You know, I agree with what Mark said that you're going to get five, six teams calling the Browns for that number four pick uh, with one of the top guys remaining. So um, I- I'm really confident that uh, they're going to trade down that pick. Hopefully, only a couple spots, um, or maybe even one spot to the Broncos. But you know, I, I don't want to trade too far down. I'd be okay if they come up, come out with both of the Bills. Uh, first rounders, um, you know, maybe not the Patriots because that pick is so far down there. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. You know, there's still plenty of time between now uh, and the draft uh, to discuss this and, and see what we want to 
if those trades are something we want to make or if we want to you know do the right thing and maybe take Barkley at four or or Chubb or um, Roquan Smith make a Fitzpatrick you know there's there's a ton of guys uh, that could go in that spot that I would not be upset about so um, you know with all that I I think we're gonna get out of here do you want to go ahead and plug everything you have going on the North Coast Sports I know we just discussed your mock draft what else do you have going on oh I have the like you said I have the mock draft up um, check out the site the northcoastsports.com um, gonna have some Indians and Cavs talk coming up. I know uh, the Indians just got started. You know, big big time win yesterday with a walk off homer thanks to Jan Gomes. Uh, the Indians are kind of struggling right now hitting the ball, but I know it's it's early April. They'll get it together. And of course, the Cavs, the playoffs are on the horizon. So stay tuned for postseason coverage of the Cavs on on the NorthCoastSports.com. Check out my new podcast. Uh, North Coast Sportscast. It's available on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. I'm going to try to do weekly episodes on there. Uh, I'm going to try to line up some guests, especially Cavs guests, as the playoffs uh, are set to begin. And follow me on Twitter. Uh, Follow the podcast at NC Sportscast. Follow me personally at CLE And my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the North Coast Sports. As always, you can follow this show at 1085Gridiron on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow me personally at Anthony Jokey on Twitter, J-O-K-I. That's how you spell the last name. Um, you can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and the Overcast app. Uh, we have a bunch of different spots where you can find our, our podcast, and we appreciate you listening to us. If you like what you hear, um, be sure to give uh, subscribe to our podcast, give us a review, give us a rating. We absolutely appreciate it. And as we mentioned uh, before, uh, if you want to download Inside the Pylons Draft Guide, uh, Mark gave us a, a code specific for our podcast. Uh, it is 1085, and then the word 5 spelled out. So that is 10855. Uh, be sure to check that out. It's a fantastic it's a fantastic um, draft guide. Uh, some of the best information you'll find about the draft out there. Mark and his team do an uh, absolute fantastic job on that thing. Uh, be sure to check out their work over at Inside the Pylon as well. Uh, you know they, they put stuff out two or three times a day, uh, especially around this time of year. So everything they're putting out is some great content over there. And you know, like One more time, we appreciate Mark coming on with us. And as always, as we get on out of here, go Browns. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.